0: You're listening to Managing Leadership Anxiety, Yours and Theirs, a show that discusses internal and relational anxiety, how it blocks effective leadership, and how we can move through it to a greater health. And now your host, Steve Cuss.
1: Welcome everybody to episode 5 of season 1. When I launched this podcast, I created a wish list of guests, and one of the names was Makoto Fujimura. Makoto is a world-renowned fine artist. And I first learned of him when Crossway Publishing was celebrating the 400th anniversary of the King James Bible. They commissioned Makoto to create art that connected to not just each gospel, but several stories in each gospel. And I remember watching the video of him at work with his materials, the way he approached the project, and also just the stunning beauty of the art that he created. Makoto is a contemporary artist with installations all over the world. But he's also renowned for his specialty, a Japanese form called Nihonga. In this form, the artist makes the materials. And in fact, the morning of our interview, Makoto had been in his studio making some paint. What made me want to interview Makoto was not just his art, but his writing. He's also a gifted author. He's currently working on a series called Culture Care. And a couple of years ago, he wrote a stunning book called Silence and Beauty, It was a treatment of Endo's famous work, Silence, which was recently made into a movie by Martin Scorsese. It's a brutal story that follows missionaries in Japan in the 1700s. This is when the Japanese were actively persecuting and even torturing Christians, and they were forcing Christians to step on the fumier, to deny their faith. But Makoto is an artist, and that's why I wanted him on this show, because I think art and beauty are such essential de-escalators of anxiety for people that I wanted to hear directly from Makoto on how he sees art and beauty in the life of an anxious leader. We started our interview talking about the gap. I recently heard Ira Glass talk about the gap, and by that he meant there's always a gap between our taste and our product. Ira Glass says that we all get into creative endeavors because of our taste, but what we produce, at least at first, what we produce doesn't match our taste, so there exists a gap between our taste and our ability to produce good work. And so I began the interview by asking Makoto about the gap and how he manages it.
0: Yeah, and that's actually what makes one an artist is is an artist is somebody who, who doesn't give up just because there's a huge gap. <laughs> and and uh um you know you aspire and reach up to that and you respect that always you 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 never do a work that you're fully satisfied if, if you're looking after something um something of transcendence especially and you're you're always humbled by the process. But um I always felt that gap is what motivates me, and um, sees all these potentials in the process of trying to uh, do something about that, and um, so the work never ends. And uh, I, I'm I'm grateful for that because that that allows me constantly um, to. Um, not only improve, but but they ask mm. different questions. So, so the gap
1: for you generates like an anxiety, uh, sorry, a curiosity.
0: Yeah, it is that curiosity factor. It's it's kind of a perfectionism in me too. But uh. but I I've learned to manage that as as I've grown to accept you know even a, a tighter uh, definition on what I can do as an artist and and um, if I can really um capture something yeah even if it's a, a slice of expression hmm. uh, I, I i can uh, contribute something to the world
1: yeah that's really good so i think those of us who know you we know you're not just as a fine artist but you're also quite a craftsman <laughs> with words and
0: oh thanks yeah
1: and i know you're moving in the realm of uh creativity and humor and that's what you're currently writing on. Uh This podcast is all about uh, anxiety and managing it. How do you see creativity and that whole realm as helpful for leaders who are busy and overworked?
0: Yeah, my next book is called Theology of Making, and it's actually a series of books. I, um, I started writing this as a response to how i see the bible um and how i see god as the artist the ultimate Hmm. maybe only artist Hmm. and then along the way i i realized that this was much bigger than i thought first of all and um so in my first book, I can only address few of the, uh, issues. And one, one of the issues I'm trying to address is, uh, theology of humor. Mm. But, um, that, that it may end up being an, another book in itself. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I do think we do face this uh, anxiety filled, uh, time. And uh, therefore, everything we do has something to do with that uh, reality. And I was just talking to somebody else about this uh, issue of anxiety, uh, because all of us have to deal in some way with that. Um, But, you know, in in this particular time, um, we are prone to be uh, drowning in anxiety and uh, letting that affect uh, how we think and how we speak to each other, how we um, see the future. Um, and I, I see art as, as one of the great ways to mediate that, to provide hopefully mm. an antidote uh, to that, um, to slow down, uh, to provide a still point, uh, still point of the turning world, as T.S. Elliott said, um, and give that pause in between, uh, you know, both time and space, uh, so that I, I am attempting to do that with my own work, um, and uh, painting certainly, but also, in writing, I'm trying to address those uh, issues.
1: Yeah. Your uh, T.S. Eliot reference, I'm not familiar with that. Would you mind speaking a little more to that?
0: Oh, yeah. That's from Four Quartets, uh, his last uh, masterpiece. Okay. And uh, he he wrote this poem, uh, actually, uh, very close to his mid-career, and he never wrote another poem. Right. Uh, he was so happy with <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I wish I can say that, you know, about my work, but uh, he certainly wrote, uh, after he wrote Four Quartets, he wrote other things, but essays and uh, plays, but he did not write another poem. Uh, so Four, four Quartets is, is a masterpiece of 20th century um, mm-hmm. literature. And in it, he is always looking for that mm. still point. Uh, he calls it still point of the turning world. Uh, there are the dances and there, there is this whole, uh, allusions to other forms of the arts and a, and also um, thinking about Western uh, tendency to over-categorize mm. and, and create uh, ways of um, pushing everything into a uh, separate in in independent categories, when when things um, seem to be more interdependent and and there are overlaps and and how poetry and art can can address that. So talk about anxiety um and um, how we may mediate that through the arts. Uh, Eliot does this. Now he he wrote earlier uh, a well known mm, poem sure. called The Wasteland, and and that is all about. The anxiety, um, voice yes. of anxiety after the World War, and I, I, I think I think that led to his coming back to his faith and uh, rediscovering of something um, something like a still point, point. Uh, and to him uh, it, this whole po- poem, uh, poetic project called Four Quartets turns, um, begin to turn, trying to uh, address this, um, Hmm. the effect of bombing. He he was an air warden, and so he he could not sleep because he kept on hearing uh, bombs go off. And so he would listen to Beethoven's last quartet uh, over and over. And let that drown his, you know, uh, immerse his imagination into um, wow. Beethoven's um, last music, right. which uh, we know Beethoven was writing when he right. was going deaf. Right. So, so this is for Beethoven himself was was an antidote to his own anxiety. It was now Elliot, um his own way of dealing with trauma. Uh, and anxiety. So he turned the rhythm when you read four quartets out loud, you can actually hear Beethoven uh, in, in the words.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay. So this brings up, <laughs> I think, a, a fascinating avenue. Like one of the ways a, a leader can de escalate anxiety is obviously immersing themselves in receiving art, listening to music, mm-hmm. uh, viewing a painting. I'd love to hear your thoughts, though, about what leaders can do to create art, especially leaders who don't see themselves as creative. What what would be first steps for them?
0: So, uh, you know, looking at art and receiving art is the first step in creating. Um, And, uh, you know, people think, well, I have to be gifted to make art or, you know, and and when, when in contemporary times, there's so many ways of creating that, You don't really need to, you know, be master in one form. Um, Everything in life can be part of that journey toward uh, creating and uh, expressing something. Um, I, I think the hardest thing in journeying toward creativity and imagination is that we try to self express mm. too much and um we don't you know let uh, ears and our eyes be open mm. uh to the world and in 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 a you know position of listening rather than speaking you know position of receiving uh, a work of art um in, in, in you know instead of trying to self express mm. Because something kicks in when we're receiving something. You know, the uh, friend of mine said that if you want to understand something, you better learn to stand Mm. under Mm. that. object or something and and there's this humidity to standing under something or situation or idea and then letting it speak to you rather than you know forcing something uh to happen and and i i think ostensibly that could be the way that any person can learn to create is is to do this to understand Mm -hmm. you know to stand under and to me that process of receiving, you know, listening and looking, um, you know, C.S. Lewis writes about this as, a uh, before he became a famous popular author, you know, he would, uh, be writing about, uh, he has this one beautiful book called experimented criticism <laughs> that nobody reads actually, because it's very, it's his lectures at Oxford. But in, in that book, he talks about this, uh, that, you know, one, one way um, toward transcendence in the arts is to stop and listen and receive. Um, and, and I think that's, that's certainly one of the keys in, in being able to create uh, something.
1: That's a really good word, I think. Particularly if people are finding their souls under tremendous pressure, it could be because there's just simply yeah. too much output and not enough receiving.
0: I, I think so, and th- there's wisdom in Sabbath. You know mm-hmm. that uh, in in the seventh day, even God rested, yeah, right? Yeah. And I I think I think we need to take that seriously. If there's no pause, uh, you know, modern industrial nature is to just keep. Producing, Mm. uh, you know, the bottom line is measured by how much we produce and we, we look at our resumes that way and we look at our lives that way. But that is dehumanizing. Mm. Ultimately, we, we, we we don't understand how damaging that is to our psyche and ultimately productivity. Mm. Um, I, I know there's been recent studies on if you you know even if you're not a religious person, if you take the Sabbath seriously, you'll be far more productive long term. Um, and and I think I think there's something to that, and part of resting, right? It's, you know, recreating, Mm. it's recreation. And, um, we, we can, uh, gain a lot by stepping back from, uh, you know, tasks of industrial tasks of efficiency and bottom line thinking, you know, fighting this Darwinian battle, uh, uh, in limited resource environment, uh, to, um, pause, uh, create that pause and, and then, um, restoring our soul so that we, we can be more effective, uh, agent mediation, uh, that can happen. So, so th- those are things that I, I often think about and, and actually, uh, help people with. Um, it's, it's kind of a way to contribute to certainly to the arts, but, but it's, it's really about, mm. You know how to be rehumanized in a context of a very dehumanized uh, world.
1: That's that's really good. I think that's quite a profound moment. So. I'd like to switch tacks a little bit. Um, I read your book, Silence and Beauty, and I was struck by many things in that book. Uh, for those who are not familiar with it, obviously, it's a spiritual treatment of Endo's classic work, Silence, and uh, was probably made famous most recently by Scorsese's movie called Silence. The The piece that I'd love to ask you about yes. is the Fumiere. Uh, for those who don't know anything about this, could you just briefly tell us what the Fumie actually physically is? And then I'd love to get your thoughts because you then go into a almost metaphorical direction with it. But what is the literal Fumie?
0: So Fumie was invented in 17th century Japan. 17th century Japan uh, was the beginning of the persecution era lasted for 250 years. And that that time in history is what Endo, Shusak Endo depicts in his uh, masterpiece, Silence. And, um, what Martin Scorsese picks up in, in his movie. If you saw Silence, the movie, you would see actually the original Fumie created by a metalsmith in, in, um, in Nagasaki, uh, original design. Actually, and, um, uh, you know, Andrew Garfield and Liam Neeson, um, steps on this object, which is, uh, cast bronze, um, uh, flat, um, plate, uh, image of Christ or, uh, the Virgin and the Child uh, imagery that the Japanese Christians who, uh, were, had to go into hiding. Uh, the magistrates will line them up in the, on the beach, and um, and by the way they reacted to the image, and as they were forced to step on these images, uh, they they were identified as Christians and and tortured and and martyred in some cases. So, this went on for 250 years, and and, and the uh, first fumier, the bronze plates that I saw, was at Tokyo uh, National uh, Museum. And uh, because of the wear of so many people stepping on this, um, you could hardly tell that it, it's Christ anymore. It's smoothed out. Um, and that was a profound yeah. experience for me. I write this in my book, but um, I yeah so so that's that's what Fumier is and and it's it's depicted well in the movie Silence.
1: Yeah, that's what I found so provocative in your writing. I think in the broad topic of doubt and following Jesus and being pressured in this case to deny Jesus, that, that can tend to be I think a two-dimensional way of looking at it. but mm-hmm. I really felt like you brought in this added dimension of, How does somebody live with themselves on the other side of betrayal? And I do think one of the great anxieties of a leader, particularly a Christian leader, is when there is a gap between their public persona and their private belief. And the Fumier, in some ways, really did capture that. And and the way you wrote about it being smoothed out, like this was a common experience. I'd love to hear Mm -hmm. more from you on what you talk about betrayal and trauma and how that's a common human experience. Could you tell us more about that?
0: Sure. As you know, we think of our faith in uh, two-dimensional terms. You know, really, it's black and white. um, And... Oftentimes we think of faith as op- opposed to doubt. And, uh, you know, if you're struggling, you're not, you don't have strong enough faith. Well, uh, I, first of all, biblically, that's not how, how the Bible describes doubt. You know, half of the yeah. Psalms is about doubt <laughs> and, and there's, there's, uh, great angst and great, um, even anxiety to the voices of the uh, prophets, uh, Psalm, psalmists, mm. uh, and even yeah. uh, Jesus uh, himself, and and so that's part of our faith journey. And what Endo does so brilliantly in this novel is to put us in a context of trauma that is impossible to answer or solve. Um, and it's a conundrum that, that is set up, uh, historically set up, because it is uh, based on truth. Um, but what we may call failures of faith may turn down to be uh, one of the great blessings, um, especially when you're going through trauma. And uh, Wendell wrote, uh, post-war, uh, he went to Nagasaki to try to depict uh, wh- how, you know, whether by resilience or uh, by sheer stubbornness, how people held on to their faith or could not do so um, in, in post-atomic Nagasaki, uh, you know, where um, not only they suffered 250 years of persecution, but they yeah. suffered a double curse of being bombed uh, by atomic weapon to uh, the cathedral that literally that they rebuilt after the persecution era ended was melted down uh, because, you know, the bomb dropped right on top of it. And, um, you know, so, so you're talking about immense trauma of 20th century. And Endo is writing into that broken place, but knowing that there are Christians who dared to speak of hope, in, in filled in such despair. And knowing that human capacity to experience multiple de- betrayals and setbacks mm-hmm. does not ultimately result in in death of God or the death of faith. And, and so uh, silence, which reads like this dark traumatic tale of, um, losing Mm -hmm. your faith. Actually, I argue in the book, silence and beauty, that it is an antidote to modern conditions that, uh, creates these false dichotomies all the time. And, and, you know, we are asked to be stoic and, you know, rise above our failures, um, Instead, I think Endo depicts another path, a third path that, that that speaks of admitting a fullness of humanity and betrayals, many betrayals that we have done to our God, and, and yet how God does uh, provide a way and restore us eventually. Yeah. Uh, silence is not a story necessary of um, restoration, but I see enough seas in there to suggest that Japan could um, once it you know, moves past the trauma, mm. it can become mm. once a most, one of the most integrated, beautiful cultures of ascending nation to the world of this integrated beauty that matches with um, uh, the gospel beauty.
1: I think that's exactly what I found so profound about your treatment of Fumier was the idea that betrayal of God, even if we were to betray God, it's not the end. It's actually an opportunity for a deeper experience of grace, which is exactly the story of Peter. But you're so right; we exactly. do tend to go into shame or yes. Or give and
0: up. thank you. We we don't do well with this material. And and the the, the way we respond to Silence, the novel, the movie, is very typical of how Western mind cannot conceive of uh, this conundrum um, when, in fact, many people live, in that conundrum many people live in in between we are you know we feel like we are so less than uh even our own ideals let let alone god's you know standards um and and yet god's grace shines and uh, in every story the uh in the bible the end is the beginning.
1: Yeah, and, right.
0: uh, we And we, we tend to preach the end more than this possibility of a new beginning. Yeah. Um, and that, that that is what Endo, I, I think, was after uh, in writing a novel, which is so difficult and traumatic to read. But I, I think in doing so, he gave us an antidote. Yeah,
1: Trump. so good. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, what I'd like to do is move our questions more personal. Every time we have a guest on the show, I yes. ask them the same questions. And of course, they're all optional. So we'll try a few and, and see what you think. All right. Okay. The, first, the first one is sure. everybody uh, battles anxiety. And we say that it always begins physiologically. And so what's helpful for our listeners is to try to figure out where anxiety begins. And so it's either a spinning mind, a racing heart, or a tightening gut. Where would where where for you would you say it starts?
0: I I would say it's it's my gut. Um, I I think you know uh, the worry can consume your mind and, and okay. certainly I, you know I I have experienced that. Um, as 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 you may know, I I was right there on 9/11. Um, yes. I lived two two blocks away and. Yes. The recovery from that trauma which which is ensuing and, and it's still going on but um uh, oftentimes i get this deep um fear in my gut mm. uh like i can't i can't face another ground zero mm. you know and and that um that comes from you know the deepest place uh, uh in, in my soul mm. i think
1: yeah Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that is a unique experience to you, particularly. Um, mm-hmm. So, if it starts in your gut, one of our theories is that if you can detect it early, you can flip the power dynamic. And mm-hmm. rather than it having a grip on you, you can begin to get some management of it. Mm-hmm. How do you know when you're anxious?
0: Yeah. So, I my answer to that is, is to go in the studio because I, I have this visceral reaction to my own feelings. I'm so connected with my own feelings hmm. that if I'm not careful, I I will drown in them. Okay. So I, I I the way for me to get out of myself is actually going to the studio and work it out. Okay. Um, through through the medium that I've trained myself to to do that with really um, I, I have this process, you know, the slow art process of Nihonga Japanese mm. style painting yep. that I have to create my own materials, mix the pigments. I was just this morning in the studio uh, making ink with uh, traditional Japanese uh, ink stick, which takes mm. about an hour, you know, and I'm working on the series on the Psalms right now. And, and it, it just you're forced to slow down, and that speed, um, I think, helps me to regain this uh, the sense of this rhythm that I need to deal with uh, whatever it is—external pressures or internal anxiety—to. Uh, you know, to, uh, it's, it's like singing to it or, you know, identifying it and then letting it obviously exist, but, but that it's, 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 um, it's creating by through creating you're able to, um, let it mm. have its own voice in a way um let it be the other rather than just mm. internal thing that yeah. you have no control over so that's kind of the process that i, I i've been going through
1: so when you mentioned 9 11 like my immediate reaction is that's that's a traumatic cataclysmic event would you be able to share some mm-hmm. more everyday uh, causes of anxiety in your life
0: yeah, well, some of it is very immediate. You know, it, it shows up in uh, your relationships, and mm. you know um, how how I find fear in mm. um, in dealing with the future. Or, um, the, but again, I've learned to identify these reactions um, and impulses, and 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 try to find ways of. Speaking to myself mm. about it, yeah. Um, and fortunately, I have good friends and, and and a therapist who helps me with this. But um, but that that process is, of negotiating that is is very tender and 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 difficult and takes a long yeah. time. And you know, I, I. But fortunately, my art and and to my extent, to that extent, my writing allows me to. Do it in 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 a objective mm. way, and and I I, I can uh, put names in some of these feelings, and um, so going back to Endo's story of Fumier and Silence, I mean that that places certain you know name recognition uh, by by writing about that, even though mm. it's very uncomfortable, you know, talking about it because it it gets yeah. you closer to the fire. And, um, you don't necessarily want to do that, but I know that I need to. And, you know, because I, I really truly believe that Jesus is behind that fire as well. And, and the fire of destruction can Mm, be turned into fire of sanctification if you, if you, if you can go through that process. So that's, that's what I try to do in my life. Um, not always successful, but that's, that's the path that I want to be on.
1: I do think that's one of the gifts that you're offering is is in your writing and I've also watched some of your videos you you have a capacity to hold pain rather than rushing through it you you are you have experience in letting pain do its work I think that's unique
0: Yeah I wonder if that's part of the creative process you know I I think you know going back to your question about when did I know that I was an artist and and you know, I, I realized that I had this uh, way of dealing with pain and disappointments and, you know, uh, this fallen world, basically. And, and my own disappointment in myself, uh, that is a little bit more nuanced than other people. Um, mm. I, I, I had the, kind of this locked in on this psychology or process very early in my life. And I find myself walking by myself hmm. on the edge of the world, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and, and observing myself do that or many of my writings uh, came out of that time. And, and I, there were times when I was, uh, you know, deeply depressed. But I, I, I think because of that recognition that I had in myself to do that, uh, it eventually became a way to communicate and to invite others, uh, into mm-hmm. that space, um, wh- which, which I'm, I'm so grateful for, uh, the gift of art and gift of writing. Uh, like Eliot's Four Quartets, you know, I, I held that little book throughout my post 9-11 journey. Um, I will be, I was exiled, um, in, living in Brooklyn and Chelsea. Because I couldn't go back home. But in the subways, you know, I had the New York Times on one hand and T.S. Mm. Eliot on the other. And I, I, I found myself reading mm. Eliot's poem aloud in the subway of New York. Uh, and nobody cared, you know, <laughs> this is New York. So and that's like, okay, you know, and, and, and that, that, you know, voice of, the human voice, right, that resonates with trauma, um, and processes it with you. And behind it is, you know, Beethoven's music flowing through it. Uh was was very, very heating for me. Um and, and so I you know, I think writing and art uh, can do that.
1: I, I'm off topic from my questions now, but you also took that pilgrimage to the other to Hiroshima and Nagasaki.
0: Right. Soon after. And I, there was, that was an audacious thing to do because my son, my eldest son uh, was going through the, obviously the same thing. And I, I, I asked his therapist, do you think it'll be okay to travel to Hiroshima? Because I, I struggled with this word ground zero, you know, that. Yes.
1: Uh, yes. That to
0: me is a sacred, you know, word that you don't touch. And, and we were calling New York and Washington ground zero. Mm. and and you know so I, I really had to go look at it myself and and that turned out to be the best mm-hmm. move you know for, for me and my son uh, to go through that trauma together to to see the bigger trauma you know of people you know to, 200 hundred thousand people literally melting down yeah. uh is is something of a greater shock and and to realize that human beings have capacity to do that and and as, as we know um, that reality shocks you, uh, but but at the same time, the recognition of my smaller trauma, mm-hmm. let's say you know, is is something that um that can be processed uh, through that lens.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if it's correct to say that it right sized your trauma, but it certainly and, gave and you a perspective. it's interesting, right? Because many years
0: later, I will write a book about Nagasaki, uh, which I wasn't intending. I didn't want to do that, but I I, I out of it with a sense of a new language to deal with what i was going through and hopefully that that will help others to go through their dark times
1: so i've been in church leadership in various forms for 20 something years and i think one of the most surprising things for me is how vulnerable it is. Um, you're putting yourself out there. You're making mistakes. Yeah. You're getting criticism, as well as all the positive sides yeah. of it. I would think it must be very similar for an artist and an author. Uh, how do you manage vulnerability, making mistakes, criticism—that whole world?
0: Yeah, that's a, a great question. I I think early on, I was very sensitive to my reviews and you know people, what people said um, when when you're Kind of at a point of discovery process, you know, you, it's hard to have a thick skin about it. Um, I, I think I, as I've grown in confidence of my work and, and really it's by limiting what I think I can do, you know, realizing okay. how limited I am in my gifts. Um, uh, that, that to me is actually a key in locking yourself in a zone mm. that you're uniquely gifted to fulfill. The more I did that, uh, you know, I, I don't really, at that point, I do not really care what people say because I, I know I'm locked in. I know God is speaking to me through that process. Um, I, I know that, you know, I have been given this slice of expression of a gift and, um, uh, I, 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 I can see it in front of me on, you know, unraveling and then, uh the writing process for me is to always lock myself into that place um and and speak from that place so it's it's essentially i'm um, very uh, you know it's like simplifying your game you know simplifying your swing swing to 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 the minimal uh w- way that you only your body can uh move um, and, and if somebody says, you know, to Ichiro, like, don't, you know, start running to the first base before you finish your swing, you're going to say, well, I mean, that's what my swing is and nobody else can do it this way, you know? And, and so, so, um, you, you, you're able to kind of, uh, you know, be, say with confidence that, you know what? That's just how I do things. And that's how I made. And, and if you don't like it, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to uh, look at my art. But, but that's, I, I found that, that, um, kind of uh, authority, let's say to have a zone, um, that you're walking into allows you more flexibility and forgiveness, you know, of, of myself and others who you know who struggle or may not see that
1: mm, that's really good okay uh, we've got two more questions this next one is probably the most pers- most personal uh, wh- when do you most feel loved in your life?
0: that's a wow that's a great question and I've been thinking a lot about that um, because I, I you know when you go through trauma, you get detached from that place of love and and you fight even against it because you you're not trying you're not trying to but you end up doubting that love and uh even you know seeing love as the opposite right that, that it's a some kind of a threat and so i had to hmm. work through this and um I, I do feel loved when you know i i am one-to-one and and this happens in my art often uh deeply intimately connected uh, with both god and 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 fellow human beings um hmm. and you know when people write to me and you know you, you, you You as an author, you as an artist, get all sorts of feedback. But um, And tell me of their journey that um, not only that your writing has connected with, but that they're telling me how expansive and generative their journey has been. Uh, It just gives me this feeling of connectedness that Hmm. allows me to you know I'll wake up the next day with some hope that you know I'm making a difference and mm-hmm. um, and, and and the other side of it is I'm so visual and viscerally driven that um, place really matters to me now especially as I journey into you know later area of my life I I I never really, Understood how important a place can be. And whether it be a place of your childhood or a place that I am here in Princeton, I live in the farmhouse and, and, you know, that there's something about that, that, um, you know, Wendell Berry writes sure. about this, yeah. that, you know, when you, when you approach a land, you know, don't, don't impose your view upon it, but ask, The land Mm -hmm. what it needs (laughs) and and the relationship to the land is is like a relationship with other human beings you know uh you're not taking something from the land you're providing something that you can give to the land and and by that process you you yourself come alive that you know you are rejuvenated by by what happens um, in in a in a even yeah. in a small space, and and I I, I feel yeah. that's connected to love. Um, and um, when you know when there's this reciprocal reaction of giving yourself away, and and that becomes a mode through which you are rejuvenated. You you find yourself in the most generative zone and that, you know, that kind of, um, attachment to each other, right? Whether it be the land or another person. Uh, I think that's, that's when mm. I, I, I feel connected to something greater than myself, something that is very humbling, um, uh, and, and beautiful. Um, and, and so that, uh, that's what I, um, uh, uh, desire to, uh, create through my work as well.
1: Yeah, that's outstanding. Thank you. Okay, our final question. Uh, you've, obvi- I mean, you've clearly delineated how art and writing is a uh, – it makes you feel alive. But um, aside from those, what do you do for fun? What makes you laugh?
0: Well, I, I've been gardening a lot, which I never did before moving to Princeton and learning a lot. It's a humbling process of uh, – multiple fadings, but, uh, but, you know, what you learn is that how important the soil is, right? And, and, um, I was, I was just tilling the soil, one part of my garden so I can plant things next year. And there's, there's a lot of rocks in there. And, uh, I had written way before and somebody tweeted this out. And I, I was basically preaching to myself again, but you know, the, Tilling a soil of your soul is is very important, and very hard, yeah. um, because you're literally removing the rocks of despair, you know, one by one. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 that th- th- without doing that, uh, no matter what you plant, you know, s- sowing seeds will not produce uh, abundance. Um, and and so you have to do that in the winters of your life, um, and that that is, you know one of the metaphors that I, I think is, is just so important. I, I love fly fishing. Sure. I, I go, uh, occasionally with my friends and, uh, I, I, I love, uh, just, um, you know, just being there, even if I don't catch anything, you know, uh, there, there's there's a lot of beauty to, to that journey. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that's important to me.
1: Okoto, okay, so thank you so much for your time. This has been a delight. I appreciate all your time. <laughs> thank you. For more resources, you can visit managingleadershipanxiety.com and download a free chapter of my upcoming book.
0: This episode is a production of Steve Kuss.